Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? They're in the computer? This is getting out of hand. Wow! Strange things are afoot. Hold the potato! Listen. You smell something? Hello, and welcome to the Clear History Podcast. Podcast where we go on the internet, look up a bunch of crazy shit that we don't want other people to know that we're looking up, clear history, and then talk about it. I'm your old pal Steve, and with me as always is... Hot Hands Megan. And today we have a special guest, and her name is... Katie. Oh, wow. Hey. You might remember her from things such as hollering. That's it. Just hollering. That's all she's known for. Hollering. Yeah, she's a hollerer. Yes. Get ready to holler about a whole fucking new thing, though, because I got an interesting tidbit. Whoa, segue. Let's get right Australian history for you. Let's get right to the meats, then. What meat did you bring to the table? Uh, It's called the chicken of the outback, a.k.a. the emu. That's disgusting. Do they actually call it that? No. Why the fuck would they call it that? I don't know. The British people do shit like that. <laughs> the British people call the chicken of the outback is that? Chicken of the sea is tuna? That's not a British That's thing. a brand. It's a brand. That's a brand. Whatever. Well, they call the chicken of pies fish pie. I hate that. What? The British love fish pie, man. Megan's been looking up like all these disgusting recipes... Uh, well, first to start off with the the British stuff, all these really gross British recipes, because we were watching the British Great Best British Bake Off. Yeah, and then that show is so full of shit. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, we want you to make a, like a three tiered pie," and they're like, "Oh, okay, cool." Like you know, strawberry, rhubarb, cherry. No, you know, it's maybe. fish and liver and haggis. Yeah, there's a fucking haggis pie. Imagine you thinking that it's going to be sweet and it's savory. That's disgusting. Why would you just assume it's going to be sweet? Because it's a fucking pie, Katie. It's called <laughs> being sweet as pie. Also, I'm what okay. about chicken pot pie? Man? I'm okay That's with savory pies. Kind. I'm not okay with savory fish pies. This guy just literally just mm. put like eggs on top of it. Like, like he just raw. I remember that episode. Eggs on it. I remember. Also, that why the fuck are they in a tent in the middle of Hobbit Town? Yeah, there's, seriously, there's no reason. I know they're like my chocolate is melting. It's 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Or wait, Celsius. <laughs> so they don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, well, and then, and I'm then, great at the. So then she started system. looking at these gross 60s cookbook recipes. Which Dude, like, I'm going to start making stuff in gelatin. You want an asparagus and fish gelatin pie? What was, what was like the hot dog with the cheese and the... Oh, you just take four cans of SpaghettiOs, you pour it in a casserole dish, Stop. and you cut up a pound of hot dogs lengthwise, put that on top, and then what? you cover it in American processed cheese. Welcome to the 1950s. That's disgusting. It's dinner. Uh, that has to be a joke. They no. call Ridiculous. themselves the greatest generation, and yeah. then they make that. Yeah. Well, I think where I'm going to start every Wednesday, we're going to do like Wacky Wednesdays, and I'm just going to come up with a weird recipe. <laughs> Is it just, just because okay. everybody was shell-shocked at that time? Like, they came back from it's the war, it was cheap. and they're like, oh, God, what should we make? Hot and it was dogs? like a luxury to have canned foods, I think. Well, and they all had yeah. a billion children, so. Yeah, so canned salmon and hard-boiled eggs. It's all hard-boiled eggs. TV dinners. Woo-woo. All right, well, back to the <sighs> real Speaking meat. of dinner... <laughs> Speaking of dinner, how about the chicken of Australia? Chicken of the Outback. <laughs> chicken of the Outback. The tall and uh, scary chicken that is of Outback origin. All right, well, <laughs> strap in, because this is the Great Emu War of 1932. <laughs> 
All right, so after World War One, um, some Australian and some British veterans were issued huge plots of rural land in Western Australia, and they're like, hey, you could, you could make some farmland on this. You should just be farmers now. And they're like, all right, cool. Uh, and then at the start of the Great Depression in about 1929, the Australian government is, uh, was encouraging, a.k.a. telling these farmers, like, hey, you need to grow some wheat. Please grow a bunch of wheat. We're running out of food. Please, wheat grow only is wheat. Terrible. Well, wheat is neat, right? That was a campaign. Great. No. no sure. <laughs> it could be. It's the next got well, milk. Not for Megan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they're like, we'll give you these government subsidies if you just grow a bunch of wheat that we'll buy from you. Uh, but turns out the government was broke because Great Depression. You know, uh, so in October of 1932, it kind of came to a head. And there was a bit of a standoff between the Western Australian farmers and these fucking wheat hordes that they had, and the government who had nothing to give them in exchange for their Well, crops. they needed to make bread to spread their Marmite on it. Ew. Their Vegemite. Vegemite. Vegemite, whatever. What is Marmite? Marmite? <laughs> Marmite's the British version, It's the right? British Vegemite. Okay. It's gross. Yeah. Either well, way. That's what you should have for Wacky Wednesday. Vegemite? Yeah. Track it down. Hell Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, what could make an already tense situation even worse? Giant rough, chickens. No, add roughly 20,000 emus. 20,000. <laughs> That's too many. That's too many emus. That is how many emus were up in this bitch. Um, were they, like, so, like ranch? Like, well, listen. Were they wild? They're wild. They're wild. They're wild, man. So they migrate for breeding season. So they're usually, like, inland, and then they kind of migrate towards the coast. But on their way towards the coast, they were like, huh, these farms are really flat and clear, and they had a bunch of free water and a bunch of free food, so fuck it, we're just going to stay here. Well, hell yeah. So they're, like, ruining all these crops, and, yeah, they uh, are kind of just eating all of their bargaining chips at this point. So uh, these ex-soldiers were fed up, and they brought the issue to Sir George Pierce, the Minister of Defense. So the farmers were like, hey, these emus are just everywhere. Sir George Pierce. Sir George Pierce. Sir George Pierce. <laughs> Not the uh, giant the chicken of the outback has hey, taken Sir over. Sir George Pierce. Mate. Uh, thank you. I can't do the accent. I'd so, say a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. Uh, so they're like, hey, the emus are just everywhere. And so George Pierce was like, you know what might work? Machine guns! Hey, Yay! The solution and cause of all our problems. Fuck yeah. So they send in three dudes <laughs> with two Lewis machine guns and a buttload of ammunition. For 20,000 emus? For 20... I don't know, man. <laughs> Seems like too many emus. Well, was, yeah, 20,000 emus. Well, they didn't want to get rid of all the emus. Just decimate just, the population. Just enough of the emus. Just enough to keep the other emus They want to scare the other emus into, yeah, moving along. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> their first attempt was November 2nd of 1932, and they found about 100 birds that day, but only managed to kill about 12. What you gotta think about, Australia's backwards, so it's summertime in November. Yes. 12? That's not enough to kill. That's not, no. <laughs> also, I feel like they have a lot of meat. I yeah, mean, it's get, pretty hard to shoot an emu because they're fast as fuck. They got and tiny heads. Yeah, they're like their vital organs are not. You gotta focus. Like when I was in hockey, they always tell us this to like nothing to do with hockey. Focus on the the middle. Focus on the middle of the not emu. their heads because 
Because, like, a human head, you kind of like, whoa. But, like, on an emu head, they can really fucking juke you out with that big ass head. Like, whoo, yeah. whoo, you know what I mean? Well, also in hockey, if you go for somebody's head, you could concuss or give them a brain injury. Well, they're so. eating all your wheat, maybe. It's yeah. time to take them down. Fuck off, emu. I'm going to take you out. Headshot. <laughs> I, I think that emus would be terrifying. Like, I remember before the zoo... They bite! Yeah. Okay, before the zoo moved the zebras, the zebras used to be in this zebras, big... Babe. zebras. used to be in this big pen, and they had all the ostriches in there. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And the ostriches would form a circle around the zebras, and the zebras would all <laughs> huddle together in the middle, and they would just creepily walk all around them like they I were never witnessed this it was horrifying to me as a child this I felt ostrich like aggression that these <laughs> horse striped horses were just being held captive by they're these scared. ostriches I'm scared of ostriches <laughs> okay so they're not having any success slaughtering alright so yep first day was pretty much a bust second day they tried to get sneaky and ambush this big group of like a thousand emus by this dam but Again, they were only able to kill about 12 birds out of a thousand this time. And then the birds, like, fucking scattered. And they're like, oh. They need dynamite. They did not try that. They were really stuck on this machine gun. Really big nets. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it kept going on like this for days, like about a week. Uh, they were setting up emu ambushes and then getting outsmarted by the emus. And after six days, they had used 2,500 rounds of ammunition, but had only killed somewhere between 50 and 200 birds, which is a big discrepancy. The set, like, the people on the ground were like, ah, it's like 200 birds. And then, like, there was one report that's like, nah, they, they only got, like, 50 so less, birds. So <laughs> less than 1%. Yeah, not great odds. Um... So, at this point, the military cut their losses and backed out of there. Um, but then the farmers were like, nah, there's still a fucking ton of emus here. What are you going to do about it? So they have them go back in. And this time it goes a little bit better. They are averaging roughly 100 emu deaths a week. Uh, but by early December, the military is like, all right, we're done. We're done with this. And they cut their involvement completely. And then in subsequent years, the farmers were like, yeah, let's let's... Let's keep it going. Let's let's get these machine guns back in here and hunt some emus. And the military, or the yeah, the military was like, no, no thanks. We're we're done with that. It's probably so, a lot of work. It is. It's a lot of work for only uh, twenty five hundred emus total killed. <laughs> so, so they just give up. Yeah. Well. Completely. Yeah. It was Mostly a wild 10%. goose chase. Pun intended. <laughs> uh, but you know how they ended up fixing the problem. They just built better fences that the emus couldn't get through. That's literally all they did. And then the emu problem was solved. <laughs> I of disappointed because when you said emu war, I was just picturing people on emus with like little helmets. Or, <laughs> or little emus with little helmets. Well, when yeah. my friend Avery told me about it, he made it sound like the emus fought back and like took out some of these soldiers, but there was no evidence of that. In my research, so That's probably that was they pretty like disappointing. Them, though. Maybe they ran back at them. Yeah, like fucking trampled an emu stampede, massacre. like a, a thousand emus all running at you. You could probably get fucked up. But... Genocide. What do skin and lamps have in common besides Ed Gein? Sex. That's right, pure, unadulterated sex. At SkinLamps.com, we combine beautiful hides with romantic mood lighting to create the perfect ambiance for your next sexual encounter. Each skin piece is hand-picked, locally sourced, moisturized, and unique. 
just for you. You know me. There's only two good things in life. That's skin lamps and sodomy. I'm Batman. At skinlamps.com, we provide discreet delivery and have a 60-day money-back guarantee. You and your partner will love your new skin lamp. What are you waiting for? Let's get Illuminati. You ready for some fucked up shit? Yay! Yay! Oh, yay! Okay, so you're in Russia. Russia. 2002. There's a 10-year-old girl, Olga, who asked her parents to walk to her granny's house, who was only one block away, after her parents had already gone to work. Her mother was hesitant, but Olga said, she pleaded with her, I'm 10 already, I can go myself. Her mother agreed. It's very Russian of her. Yes. (laughs) Uh, she loved her house with her favorite green bag and blue umbrella, never to be seen alive again. Oh, my God. Unseen, a drug addict was waiting in the lobby of her block, which is like her apartment. Yeah. And he forced Olga up to the top floor, robbed her of her earrings, and then she tried to escape. He hit her over the head with a metal bar. Her body was found five months later, wedged behind pipes in the attic, and Olga was buried in 2002. Is it easier to, like, murder people in the tundra because they don't, like, smell? smell? She's in a building. She's an though. attic of, like, a huge apartment building. Who's going to smell it? Everything there smells like cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's Russian. <laughs> it reminds me of Willy Wonka when she's, when the mom of Charlie's, like, stirring this big cabbage thing. No, that's the laundry. She, she does laundry. It's the same pot. Katie. It's the same pot that she cooks the cabbage <laughs> soup in. All right. Well, anyway, poor Olga. Okay, so <laughs> Olga died. Very sad. Um, so Olga's mom, Natalia, and her husband, Igor. Igor. I don't know. They buried her, and in 2003, they decided to put a small fence around her grave and paint it. So it was in May. And they went out and painted it, and they didn't finish. So the next day, they came back to finish painting, and they noticed that a wreath had been moved. Spooky. Bum, 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 bum. So, this torment of people messing with Olga's grave began and it would last for nine long years. The same month. What the fuck? That's so rude. Did she have a younger sister named Helga? No. Oh. The same month that the wreath was moved, they found a note signed DA. There were many anonymous letters. Addressed to their daughter, calling her Little Lady. The notes would do things like congratulate Olga on various public holidays and every first and last day of school in Russia. Uh, The mom, Natalia, said that the notes would carefully count which school grade she was about to enter based on the year had she not died. So it'd be like, oh, happy first day of sixth grade. It's really fucked up. It's really creepy. Yeah. Um, in one note that same year in 2003, the writer threatened, if you don't erect a great monument, which she deserves, we will dig her body out. So later that month, they put up a headstone and the anonymous writer penned messages on it before taking an axe to the stone. So this went on for nine years of all these like terrible torments just being rude and this was in the russian town of nizhny novgorod i'm butchering that nizhny novgorod there you go it's like the fifth largest city in russia cool so if this wasn't bad enough (laughs) 
Natalia and Igor were the, forced. The Houston of Russia. It's the Houston of Russia. <laughs> where the, uh, it's the Houston of Russia where the city, the state. And the uniform. Is that true? Do you just know that off the top of your head? Yeah, the uniform is oh, white Houston, socks and a wife beater. That's what they wear in Houston. Fifth, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would have, have Chicago, I have no New York rankings. I have no sense. You forgot Los Angeles. I said L.A. I it's shortened it. <laughs> L.A. and Los Angeles. No, same, it's two same cities. Person. L.A. It's is Louisiana. <laughs> oh yeah, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> Anyways, with this torment with this. <laughs> Anonymous letters. The Houston of the North. The Houston of the North. The shit being moved off of her grave. And Nizhnin of Grad. So, Olga's parents were were forced to open Olga's grave nearly 10 years later after her murder in 2012. When they opened her grave with the police, her coffin had a hole in it and it was completely empty. Why did the police open Olga's grave and ask her parents to go through that, exhuming her coffin? Well, in, in 2011... In the same town as Olga was murdered, Nizhny Novgorod, a man named Anatoly Moskovin was arrested after the bodies of 29 girls between the ages of 3 and 25 were found completely mummified in his apartment. Yeah. Some sources said 26, some said 29. Either way, pretty, there's too many bodies. Yeah, that's a lot of bodies. So Anatoly was a historian and a linguist. He spoke 13 languages. He was a journalist. He taught at the college level. He was a teacher and a self-proclaimed yeah, expert on cemeteries. He called himself a necropolist. <laughs> it's a very necropolis, emo thing. Like <laughs> Superman saves I don't know. <laughs> he was an expert on cemeteries and he wrote into a re- weekly publication called Necrologies that was basically a thing about cemeteries and obituaries. Uh, so Nerd. how did he get, oh, and also in, from 2005 and 2007, he was like paid to go around to all the cemeteries and write like a documentary about them. And he like just lived on the land and went around to cemeteries like a normal dude would do. Who is asking for just this? Just sleep in a hole people, that hasn't been filled yet, you know? Who's asking I don't know. This? I guess people read this. But he claimed to have visited 752 cemeteries in Nizhny Novgorod. That's a lot of fucking cemeteries. That's too many cemeteries. In this one town? Yeah. Well, that's enough. Are they like really They're continued to be published. Some of his work continues to be published. But anyways, he... How did he get this fascination of cemeteries? Well, he claimed that when he was like, I don't know what age, he was a schoolboy, two or three men in black suits who were on their way to a funeral procession for an 11-year-old girl forced him to go to the coffin and kiss her on the forehead. Ew! And then after that, he started like being fascinated with death and the occult and cemeteries and funerals, and he would just like walk around in cemeteries. So he was like this academic who was obsessed with, uh, he went to like for Celtic studies. Okay. And spoke a bunch of languages and was obsessed with the occult and death. How did they find <laughs> out about him? In 2009, people in this town of Nizhny Novgorod <laughs> noticed that graves were kind of being desecrated. They made complaints. Say it again. <laughs> Nizhny Novgorod. It's actually, I looked it up, Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Of the North. Of the North. <laughs> he so, says number four. Okay. People were noting these graves are being desecrated. The police couldn't do much. But then in 2011, there was a terrorist attack in Moscow at an airport. 
And then in this one town, Nizhny Novgorod, <laughs> there were reports of a Muslim grave being desecrated. And they went and they figured out that it was Anatoly. He was painting over pictures of the Muslims or whatever. Hmm. So they went to his apartment to gather evidence against him. And he's like a massive pack rat. So it's this flat that he, part of the time his parents live with him. And part of the time they have a summer home or something. But there's just, like, books stacked everywhere. You can go look. There's a video of when they went into his apartment that you can look at online. You couldn't, like, walk. It was like watching hoarders, right? But among all this filth and crap, they saw a bunch of just, like, life-size dolls laying around. Life-size figures. Are you sure? They looked like creepy mannequins. Are you sure they're mannequins? Yeah, they kind of look like creepy mannequins, but they turned out to be mummified human (gasps) corpses. The police said that when they tried to move one of the bodies, it played music because inside the chests of many of them, there were embedded music boxes. I think, did no. you tell me about this earlier? That's our pillow talk, babe. Ugh. Yeah, so he would like... Romantic. If he touched them, they would sing to him. Fuck no. Yeah. No. So a lot of the girls, the clothes... Yeah. The Harry Potter thing? The Harry Potter thing. Yeah, it's just... It's like fucked up music boxes. These I are mean, dead children. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, Sorry. it's pretty fucked up, man. Sorry, guys. So, I mean... No, I laugh they in were, the face They dressed in colorful terror. clothes. A lot of them were wearing clothes in which they were buried. A lot of them had personal belongings mummified inside of them, which is weird. But yeah, he would admit that he would stuff the decaying corpses with rags... Um, he uh, mummified them with a mixture of, like, uh, baking soda and salt. And if the stench was too much, he'd take them back and bury them again. But the ones that weren't too much, he would sometimes wrap their faces with (laughs) nylon tights. He'd insert buttons or toy eyes so they could watch cartoons with them. He held parties for each of their birthdays. Uh, He said he mostly loved his dolls. But there were a few in the garage he claimed to dislike. Did he make his own dolls? Like, I mean, did he... He took corpses and turned them yeah, into... Yeah, they're already dead, right? Yeah. He didn't kill people. That we know of, no. Well. So, they asked him why well, wait, he did it. Wait, but then there was, was a mystery for that one girl, so... He was really so. open with the police when they asked him, you know, what the fuck, man. And he said that he was just lonely. He always wanted to have children. He had applied at one point to have a child, but because he was single... A pack rat lived alone with his parents and hung out in had a weird obsession with death. They declined his application. So did he like write that? Tell us about yourself. I don't know, but he would. <laughs> he believed in like there was a Celtic ritual where you would lay on the graves and the dead would speak to you. So he would do that, and he claims that he would go and lay on the graves and they would talk to him. Hey, buddy. Hey. Well, maybe he could find a girlfriend if he wasn't, hey, like, going? hanging out with the dead people. I guess. All the time. He said he was also waiting for science to bring them back, or he also believed that he could bring them back because of the occult black magic. Like, he thought he could bring them back to life. Um. So, yeah, his parents lived with him part-time. They said they thought he just had a strange hobby of playing with large dolls, which... I'm sorry. Like, that had... His neighbor said that there was a rancid smell, but they just thought it was the smell of Russia. Makes sense. Yeah, the cabbage and the But his parents sausage. never thought it was weird that he the had 29, laundry, like, 29 random dolls. Anyways, he claims <laughs> that it wasn't sexual. Yeah. Bullshit. He claims that he thought sex was repulsive. Mm. One it's of like, those. A, like an Ed Gein thing. Sounds like somebody who's I don't upset at his no. penis. They just thought he had a strange hobby. Uh, and, the and newspapers called it right. <laughs> Lord of the Mummies, the perfumer... 
I don't know. In court, he told said to court to the victim's parents that you abandoned your girls in the cold. I brought them home and warmed them up. Ew. He supposedly told authorities not to bother burying them too deeply because when he gets out, he's uh, going to get them back. So Olga's mom has lived through all this, and she was, like, a very big proponent of, like, trying to get him put away. He was diagnosed schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, like, just in a psych ward. He was never sentenced to prison because he's never been, like, mentally stable. But they keep extending his, like, not letting him out. Yeah. So she's, like, really upset, and she said, you know, he had her for nine years, and I only had her for ten years. Mm. It's really sad. sad. And his parents are, like, ostracized from the community, and the mom said they might as well just kill themselves. And the dad's like, I don't want to. So now that she says, I just live. So that's great. But Olga's parents... But they stay at the summer home, though, right? I guess. <laughs> Olga's parents broke up during this whole, or- whole ordeal because it was so terrible, but then they got back together, and now they have a little boy. Aw, that's romantic. So Except delighting. they will never let him walk to his granny's house. Yeah. Well, yeah. You gotta be idea. 11 so to do that. So the moral mm-hmm. of the story is get cremated. Yeah. Have your yeah. loved ones cremated. Yeah. I was, or I take them get, home with you. I want to get cremated anyways. I feel like it's a big waste of space. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. Hey, ladies. I know that sometimes you want a little junk in the trunk. At a certain age, we crave a little juice in the caboose. Now, if you're over 61 looking for a sexy, thick bum, visit grannysforhammies.com. I personally prefer a more mature woman. (laughs) Speaking of mature, you should see my investment portfolio. You heard it, girlfriend. Let Grannies for Hammies help find you love. Grannies for Hammies, putting the chunk in chocolate chunk cookies since 1969. Use promo code HAM. A man called Kevin Woods is known as the last living leprechaun whisperer. What? He tells the same tale in a few different YouTube videos that I've found. He says, About 30 years ago, a man named P.J. O'Hare, a prominent businessman and owner of a local pub, one day, yeah, so at the time, he heard a scream coming from the mountain. Ah! He decided to investigate. We went up and discovered a huge area of burnt earth. And in the middle, he found bones, a, a wee suit, a tiny suit. And in the suit pocket what? were four gold coins. Doubt it. He brought them down and showed them to the Kevin Woods guy and told him, I think leprechauns live on the mountain. Oh, sorry, he said, I think leprechauns live on the mountain. How drunk was this guy? Uh, I don't know. He he was an owner of a pub, so obviously at least half drunk. Yes. <laughs> he was... A bit to fairly. So a scorched suit or the suit, the earth was scorched? The suit wasn't scorched. Just the earth? Mm-hmm. So it must have been some... Like four gold coins is enough. For a leprechaun, that's, that's big money. That's like... Trying to get a pot of gold. Initially, initially, Kevin laughed and thought it was stupid. But (laughs) 
the same time, Kevin was the chairman of a local tourism association, so he decided it would be fun to host a little leprechaun hunt on that mountain to, like, goof on his friend and, like, have a little, you know, tourism thing going on. So, like, Makes how can you give your friend shit, but, like, do your job at the same time? <laughs> like, how often are you able to do that? That's pretty cool. Okay. So, they hid, like, four ceramic leprechauns and, like, put together this huge event and, like, thousands of people came and they had, like, a great time and everybody's, like, looking for the little ceramic leprechauns and everything. And over the years, um, apparently, Kevin came to believe that leprechauns do exist. And Why? He, yeah, I don't He's know. a believer. I don't know. Like, he was just goofing around, and then one day, while walking his dog on that same er- in that same mountain area, he was coming up the mountain and saw three leprechauns sitting on a rock. He says, I couldn't communicate with them. I couldn't hear them. I could just see them. And him and his dog stared, which he said that he, it felt like it was just a minute like he was up there around like noon and usually his route took like a half hour he didn't get home until like eight o'clock at night and then uh he's like laughing he's like you can imagine me trying to explain this to my wife (laughs) okay this is just a laughing lie this guy made up to cover up where he was at for Don't seven worry. and a half it hours. It's just the leprechaun. It's the leprechaun. Oh, this is stupid. So, like, yeah, he said, and then, and then, <laughs> no, I don't know. He says there are. He's like there are only two hundred fifty-six left, and they live in that area. Which, out of the blue, like, there's no reason for him to say that, and that's just. There's a couple interviews where he does this, and he just says. There's 256. Like, what the fuck did he come with that number? I don't know. But he <laughs> set up counted them. He set up a group and he lobbied the EU, the European Union, to make that area a protected area. And Leprechaun Refuge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it went through. <laughs> and the European Environment Agency, the EEA, protects that area. Okay, but do they protect it for, like, wildlife, or they're just, like... Well, there's a sign that literally says, plants, wild animals, and leprechauns, and in quotations, little people. Are protected in this area. Please tread lightly. Hunters and fortune seekers will be prosecuted. Tread lightly so you don't step on the little people? I just try not to, like, you know, stomp around, I guess. Walk very lightly. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if Kevin really believes it or if he's just, you know... He's just riding the coattails of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was later to find out... Tiny wee coattails. Tiny wee coattails. Tiny wee coattails. Little buckles on his boots. (laughs) But, um... The bones... The bones tell me nothing. The bones are chicken bones. Yeah, they... You know, they... They looked at them and they tested them and they're chicken ones. But you know, uh, the real question well, is, is how did the action. chicken of Ireland get four gold? Why coins? did that chicken get like blasted and scream? <laughs> but okay, so hunters and fortune seekers will be prosecuted, right? So 
people that try to catch a leprechaun, why do they try to catch a leprechaun? Go to the pot of gold. Because once you catch, yep, once you catch the leprechaun, the leprechaun has to tell you where the gold is. Speaking of gold, do you guys remember this? Coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folklore. A leprechaun. Oh, I can't remember this. <laughs> So we got the good stuff. It brings us to the story in two thousand six in Mobile. Alabama. Oh, this actual story? Yeah, I believe it's mobile. Mobile. Alabama in the deep. Alabama. The deep south, a little deeper down towards the Gulf, I guess. So many fun accents on this episode. I found out the truth about the mobile Alabama leprechaun. And a tree? Was it a crackhead? Well, it could be. <laughs> but uh, the, there's a Dallas, Texas-based show called The Bob and Dan Show. And in 2014, they found the truth. Apparently, so what they did was they decided to go out to Mobile. And they were just like, went to the actual location of the tree. And they were just like looking around and taking pictures and stuff. And then people were like, showed up. And they're like, hey, yeah, we're investigating this whole thing about the leprechaun. And they're like, oh, it's Midget Sean. And they're <laughs> like, what? And so apparently there's, they're like, yeah, this guy Midget Sean, he was in the tree and he was just like goofing on people. Then he left and then like it just like kind of kept going and it kept on like. The story kept building it because kept there was building a little person and people in the saying, tree. Like, I used to look people at that. were just being fucked up to and a little person. Yes, so the like midget shot, and then like, oh shit, this guy, and then um, they're just like, yeah, I mean, you will just see him, just like you know, hanging around the neighborhood. He lives like like a couple streets over, and then so they're just like kind of going around, kind of looking for him, and then they just stop at the Texaco. And they, they're picking As up... As you will. Yeah, they're picking up gas or, like, you know... A slurpee. A coffee or whatever. Some Funyuns. Yeah, some Funyuns. They just got to talking. Ends up being the guy that he was talking to was Midget Sean's cousin. And then he's like, I'll call him right now. And I'll and he'll he'll tell you the whole story. So then they go and they meet up with Midget Sean. And he tells them the whole story that, like, he was just fucking around with his friends. And then it turned into this whole viral video, this whole... Stupid they remix thing. They saw a on a tree. Yeah. But also, maybe Midget Sean's just trying to take credit for something he didn't do. So who knows? I don't know. It's a mystery. What it's do you guys think? It's a hell of a mystery. What do you think? It could be a crackhead. It could be a crackhead. I th- Is he calling himself Midget Sean or are people calling him that? That's just what he's known by. He's, he's short. Uh, he's a midget. 
He's a little person. He's a little person. That's the PC term. And his so. name is Sean, so. Yeah. I mean, Sean's so the... kind of an Irish name. He's black. Oh, Sean. It's like, oh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, midget oh, Sean. <laughs> no, so, leprechauns aren't real. So what I'm saying is leprechauns are real, but they're actually They live just... on that mountain. There's only 256 left of them, Megan. I don't know if... I don't know. I know that midgets are real. I don't know if <laughs> leprechauns are real. Do you believe in leprechauns, Megan? No, I don't. Do you believe in life after love? No. Okay. Do you have voles and moles? Are they making holes? Then you need to call trolls, the vole and mole nullifier. They'll set you up with some underground poles that will send those voles and moles out on a roll, leaving your home nullified. Call toll number 1-800-345-NULL. And for the five fast facts, we're just going to do about emus, Katie. Emus are the second largest bird in the world. What's the first? Why the ostrich, of course. They can grow up to two meters tall. I don't know how much that is in feet. I'm bad at the metric system. Six feet. Cool. Approximately. Great. That's amazing. fuck your imperial system. (laughs) They can live between 10 and 20 years in the wild. That's too long. They are covered in soft, fluffy feathers. That's kind of an obvious one. They have two sets of eyelids, one for blinking and the other for keeping the dust out. It's like dogs. They do? Dogs have two sets? Yeah, they got two sets of eyelids. Snakes do, too. Yeah. Yeah. Or they have like a third eyelid, I guess you call it. I feel like I'm missing out. You could get one. (laughs) All right, so for additional search terms this week. Wait, is that all five? Yeah. Yeah, she did it fast. Sorry. I have some more if you are still thirsty for you. We're still thirsty. Um, The females don't sit on the eggs, the males do. And the males sit on them for roughly eight weeks. Oh, it's like penguins. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Another flightless bird. Uh, they eat plants, insects, grasshoppers, beetles, wheat? And cockroaches, and wheat. wheat, apparently. Mm-hmm. And fences. Inferior fences. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> um, and they don't have very many natural predators. Dogs, Clearly. humans, crocodiles, sometimes. Human machine guns. Yeah, machine guns mostly are the main ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so this week for your additional search terms, we have ostriches fucking... Life-changing. Simon Cowell naked. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. And also, how to that. mummify somebody without your living parents finding out mm. while Oh, fucking. look at that gross hot dog thing you talked about at the beginning. Oh, oh. yeah. Look up old 60s, look up 50s, 50s and no, 60s what's it recipes. What was that blog that you were reading? Oh. Uh, Mid-century what? recipes, right? A mid-century, some, mid-century menu. It's this chick... And all she does is she makes, sorry, this lady, this person, she she goes yeah, on and she makes... This individual. This individual. <laughs> she makes a fucked up vintage recipes and then serves them to her husband and she documents his reaction and it's yes. pretty hilarious. It's amazing. So yeah, check it out. Uh, my favorite recent one that I read was the banana casserole. It's got bananas and ham and cheese. No. Uh, it's <coughs> on the menu next week, Katie. And watch yes. uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, because it's dope. And uh, we invite you to check us out on Instagram. and uh, At Clear Your History Podcast. Uh, visit our website, clearyourhistorypodcast.com. Send us an email. 
clearhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Or don't do any of those things and just listen to us next time. Send us a weird picture. That'd be fun. Or like Subscribe. a mystery message. Woo! Give us a bad review on iTunes. As Whatever long as it's funny, do. we'll call you out. Yeah, we'll announce it on uh, in the next episode. Wow. If you go on there and just say, hey, these guys, they talk about emos way too much. Zero stars. I wish I could give it zero stars, but one star. I hate those people. Just don't review something. Yeah. Also, fucking, what do you have against emus, man? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? But otherwise... They're majestic creatures. We wish you have a wonderful day. Say hi to your mom for me. And see you on the flip side. Goodbye.